They don't have to be good all the time. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think actors believe if they have a bad day that they're out. If you're a person who's heard the word no from a boss, an ex, a team that cut you, a job market that didn't want you, an accident or diagnosis that left you debilitated and depressed, or felt paralyzed by any setback that you just weren't willing to accept, this is the show for you. 10,000 No's is a roadmap built by guests who have blazed trails, silenced critics, and overcome the odds by facing down their fears and transforming their failures into fuel. I don't care if you're young or old, healthy or sick, there is always an opportunity for growth. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. Welcome back to 10,000 No's. These last couple of weeks have been really amazing. The launch of Huge in France on Netflix has been getting tons of love. Hopefully that will translate to a second season for us, but you never know. Thank you to all of you who have been commenting on my Instagram feed, sending emails, texts, DMs. It's been really incredible. And for the podcast, it's been equally gratifying having had some of our cast, Gad Elmaleh and Aaron Hayes on the show these past two weeks. If you haven't heard those conversations, check them out. And what makes it easier to not miss these episodes is to subscribe to the show. If you're not already subscribed, just go to the Apple Podcast app or Spotify and subscribe so you get these episodes on your devices every Friday when we release them. Or you can listen at our website, 10,000knows.com. Today, we have another treat for all of you film and TV buffs. Carrie Audino sat down with me. Carrie won a primetime Emmy in 2010 for casting the critically acclaimed series Mad Men. She was nominated another five times. She also won the Ardios Award presented by the Casting Society of America and was nominated another four times for that, one of which was for her work casting the pilot of NBC's critically acclaimed series Parenthood. But for all the accolades, Carrie is a workhorse, a grinder who feels compelled to get it right when it it comes to choosing the right actor for the role, even if she ruffles some feathers along the way. A no-nonsense, straight-talking, tough chick from Jersey, Carrie was an actor herself, having attended the prestigious program at the Tisch School of Arts at NYU. But like so many other guests on 10,000 Knows, Carrie pivoted after graduating when she realized she felt more joy and gratification from casting than being cast. That led her to the impressive career she now has today, but it has not been without its bumps and bruises. Already juggling her demanding career with motherhood, she's now adding yet another title to her impressive resume with the upcoming launch of her own podcast, It's Not Personal, where she'll go in-depth with well-known actors about their experiences auditioning and being cast throughout their careers. Here she is, Carrie Audino. So, well, first of all, welcome. Thank Thanks. you. Uh, it's funny, on the way in, we were talking about you know, shit shows in general, because I was thinking you have won a primetime Emmy and I was going to make a joke that like when you win an Emmy, you levitate. And right now you are hovering above the ground. You have no problems in your life. Everything is great. Um, I figured we'd start there because I usually bury the lead. And um, I, I just love to hear you've been casting for a long time and uh, Mad Men was really a special show, and you've been a part of some other special shows. But what what was that experience of of 
winning an Emmy, like, like where did, did it change your life? Did it not change your life? Is it now what, what, like, what was that experience like? I mean, it, the it, winning an Emmy, I think, it, I don't know that the actual Emmy changed my life as much as the show changed my life. Um, you know, we, we came on on episode two, right up. The pilot was shot in New York and cast by uh, Misha Bowling casting. Um, and we started on episode two. So it was one of those things where it's, it, it was off the air. You know, it, it actually didn't air until, you know, we were working on it for over a year before it aired. So it's like we had no feedback, couldn't get anybody to come in. Everybody had to audition. And it was a really like, uh, okay, like, who knows what this show is? We knew it was amazing. Um, but once it started to air and get feedback and there were Emmys won and it all of a sudden exploded into this thing that I, I don't know that anyone really expected. Um, not on that level. Um, and it took a little while for us to catch up. You know, we were just regular we were still just regular casting directors, but we were just like, you know, hustling for work and making sure everyone knew we were available. And, and, and what happened after the success of the show over several seasons, and it took a few seasons, was people were, we were sort of, we were sought after. Yeah. And that was a cool feeling. It took a lot of the uh, pressure off, you know, to constantly be hustling. Um, it's nice to, you know, to have people want you. Yeah. 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 And, and that was really cool. And winning an Emmy is like, it, you know. Was it surreal? It was totally surreal. And it is sort of like the icing on the cake. You know what I mean? It was already a great, good cake. Yeah. And then you get this award and you're like, holy shit, other people noticed and this is cool. Um, and of course, it's nice to be recognized. Um, and it's one of those things where you're like, I was you know, acutely aware of the fact that this could never happen again. Right. This is an amazing thing that may never, ever happen again, no matter how good the work is. So I you do. felt like you were, you let your hair down, you were able to celebrate it or kind of, cause it's a business where it's hard to celebrate. I know as an actor, but I think also as a casting director, it's hard to um, celebrate cause you're always looking what's, what's the next thing. Totally. I mean, we did celebrate it. We certainly celebrated it that night. Um, and, you know, Mad Men was a group of people. We really became a family and everybody, you know, it was happy for each other and like yeah. everyone is excited and, and, and it was great. But at the same time, like that wears off quick and it's like back to real life. Yeah. You know, I had a, a really little baby at the time and like it was, it, you know, life. What is she, eight now? She's nine. Nine. Okay. So, and I guess we won when she was like a year and a half. Yeah. Like she was little and it was like. You know, and I was working. I don't. We. I don't think we just had Mad Men at the time. I think we had one other show. We were busy, and Mad Men was a lot of work, and that's okay. Like, certainly no complaints. But it was one of those shows that required all of our attention. Yeah. Um, and both of us covered it, um, which we don't do so much anymore. We often split up, but that just was out of necessity, out of being busy, which, uh, of course, I'm I'm grateful for. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you move on. Yeah. yeah, the Emmy happened and whatever. People are still super fucking disrespectful and rude and all the <laughs> things that, you know, it doesn't take you this level where people treat you better. Let me tell you that. Yeah, but it, <laughs> it helps. It puts you on a smaller pool of people, I would imagine. Uh, it, it, and honestly, uh, it made the things we were being offered and considered um, better. Yeah, which is what we, we all want. Totally. Like we were starting to be able to do work that I was like, oh, this is exciting. Yeah. 
And it's funny that that's kind of that was the word on the street as as an actor, that script, uh, that Mad Men pilot. I remember I was working on something in Canada and I ended up not going in. And but every every actor was talking about that script. But it was AMC. And at the time, no AMC one knew who was that like, was. Well, what, yeah. who's going to see this? And that's why they couldn't get it. So it's totally really interesting in retrospect to see what happened, what that show did. And then the landscape of how now things are streaming. And it's like, who would have thunk it, you know, yeah. 10 years ago? Um, so how would you, you know, we, we know by now people have heard the intro. They know you're a casting director. People have ideas of what that means. In your words, how, what, how would you describe what it is that you do? I think we are the people that assemble, you know, the foundation of, of all those words that are written. You know, we assemble like this group of, of humans to help, you know, give the production its legs, you yeah. know, to bring it to life. And I think, you know, I'm not, everyone thinks that I'm like this big decision maker and I'm not, not ultimately. And hopefully like I'm working with people that value my opinion. Sometimes they don't want to hear from me, which I'm always like, why'd you hire me? Right. But often, you know, we are bringing in the people for them to choose. Right. And we're saying we think these five, these six, these 10 people are the people you should consider and you need to pick one. So for for actors, if there are actors listening, like what is it that I mean, I, I think what you're saying, kind of the relationship that you have with actors is is almost as important as what they do in that particular room that particular day. I mean, they have to be good all the time and for you to have them hold them in high esteem, I guess, and bring them in. And- they don't have to be good all the time. You know what I mean? Like, I, I I, think actors believe if they have a bad day that they're out. Yeah. And that's not it. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a mutual relationship. So we understand that you're going to have a bad day. We also understand we've seen you do other work before and know that you can be good and maybe this isn't your part and maybe you didn't do great today. But it takes a lot for me never to try you again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially if you're an actor I've hired or know really well, like it, something insane would have to happen for me to be like, I'm done with that person. Yeah. But, you know, you're coming for me four or five times and each time you're unprepared and you're falling apart and it's not like, then I'm going to be like, something's going on and I might take a break. Yeah. You're not dead to me, but I might take a break. Yeah. Just to see if you can pull your shit together. Well, you know, I, I wanted to, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to, to hold my questions about your forthcoming podcast till the end, but I feel like that... Since we're kind of talking about it, I love the title of your podcast. It's, it's not, not personal. personal. Yeah, it's and, not personal. And it really is, it will be something that actors will uh, need to listen to because that, that's a, it's a big thing. People get, you know, they think it's all on them. It's like, no, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that go into the decision-making process. And, and the thing is, it's not personal. And honestly, like on paper, it'll be with an asterisk because it is personal. I understand that it's extraordinarily personal what actors bring to the room. I get it. You are giving a piece of yourself. It's your work. It's your body. It's your emotion. It's personal. I get it. Um, But the reason you're not being picked has nothing to do with you. Yeah. You know? Again, something insane would have to happen for it really to be about you. Yeah. It's probably about your hair color. It's probably about how tall or how short you are. You know, they just might like someone better. I don't, you know, I can't even explain it any other way other than he was great. They like this guy better. Right. Right. Yeah. 
And it, and it is funny for, from for where I'm sitting, there are times and you know, something's happened and you go in, you feel like, oh my God, how do I not get this? It doesn't go your way. And then that same person brings you back in for something else that ends up being a better job down the line. And you kind of get the ones you're going to get. You don't get the ones you're not going to get. A, a thousand percent, you know, yeah. like we're all meant to work on what we're going to be working on, you yeah. know, and there's plenty of jobs that like after I was hired, I was like, they didn't want, they didn't want us. They wanted casting directors that are like, you know, people that don't have opinions. Yeah. So, well, th then that's a question <laughs> for you. What is it like, what is it that makes you so good at what you do? I would call it like your superpower or there's something, you know, you, you just said it. I mean, you said they want someone who, who doesn't have an opinion. You have an opinion. Um, wh what is it like uh, that you... Like, is it instinctual? Is it, what is it? I mean, we always say casting directors are born, not made. You know, it's something about being a casting director. Good casting directors, I think, have an instinct towards how it should look, how it should sound, how it should feel. They have an instinct towards what actors can do it, you know? Yeah. And it's not like you're guessing. It's like you just, you just like, no. Yeah. You know, and... um and, you know, certainly I think that instinct becomes more honed after doing it for 20 years. But I was an actor. You know what I mean? And I do think that that helps. I think that that plays into it a little bit. It, it doesn't make it – I think it makes me more sensitive to the actors. But I do think that there's something, too, going, yeah, this guy would kill this. He's so right for this. Yeah. And there's something, too, like, no way. And right. just knowing. And those opinions, I'm strong in those opinions. You know, and I say it's and I'm, I'm not and the producers that know me and love me and and choose to hire Laura and I, it's because they they want that expertise. They want to know our thoughts. Yeah. You know, all the time they're like, well, all these people, you know, often we're on projects now with 12 producers and, they're, and they'll and they'll do a whole sidebar where they're like, can you I would like you really to weigh in here. All the producers have weighed in. Can you I want your opinion? And I'm like, OK, but sometimes you're on stuff and people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're going to decide internally. Great. Go yeah. for it. Yeah. Decide internally. <laughs> and that's Laura Schiff, by the way, who Carrie's talking about, uh, her partner. Of 14 uh, years. Business partner. How come you're not listed, by the way? Um, I don't think you're listed under West Wing. Is it, no, I didn't do West Wing. You were not. I, that's so funny. Yeah. I just always feel like I met you doing West Wing. I think you met you, me through Karis. Oh, okay. Like socially oh, during okay. West Wing. But you... I, for some reason, I so I guess I met you when I was doing West Wing. You did, but, totally. But, but you were not yet linked up with Laura at the time? I had worked worked for Laura previously on Boston Public. Okay. And then we did three seasons together, me as her associate. And then she left to go do West Wing, asked me to go with her, and I said no. Um, and they promoted me, and I did the last season of Boston Public by myself as casting director, got which it. is really how I got to be a casting director. Got it. Um, and then she and I were apart for a few years and then she asked me to partner and got it. Okay. So two questions then one, so people, this is called 10,000 knows. It's all about how, you know, we don't just get right to where we're going. Um, oh, we you did mentioned not that, get well, to right where well, we're going. Oh, but, no. but even before that, cause I do want to hear kind of a little bit of the trajectory of like when you started as an associate or an assistant until you, you know, were full on doing Boston Public, but also the fact that you were an actor before you were casting. Did you want to act from the time you were a kid? As or? far back as I can remember. Really? Yeah, I wanted to be a dancer, singer, actor. I was like that triple threat life. Let's go. And I went to NYU. 
for acting. And I, it was all I ever wanted. Like, I was like, this is what I'm doing. And at what point did you, because you, you had to be really good if you were going to NYU, you went through the Tisch I was good. program. Yeah, I did. So it's not like you were just like, you know, you were good. I was good. But and what I, and happened? I was, I wasn't, what was the... Like looking at it from a casting perspective, I was good. Um, and I wasn't the best. Um, like Pedro Pascal was in my class with me and we're, we're dear friends still. And he was the best. Yeah. Like when you were in class with him, you were like, that guy's a star. Yeah. And you knew it immediately. Um, but I was always that person in class that was like, you know what scene you should do? You know what you should be working on? Right. You know what's good material for you? These are the kind of parts. You know, so I was always sort of thinking like a casting person without knowing it. Um, I graduated. All my friends were getting agents and managers in New York. And I was like super not motivated to do that. I was auditioning and I auditioned for Rent and I did all this, whatever. But I was just like, mm, I don't love this. And uh, I didn't love it enough to even really go after it, like hard. I was just like, mm, I don't, I liked being in class. But I was sort of like, I don't love it. The business of chasing I hated, it down. I hated the business of chasing it down. And I decided to get an internship at a casting office, um, Liz Lewis Casting Partners. Commercial oh, yeah. casting. I know Liz Lewis. Yeah. I mean, that place is, it's a machine. It was incredible. And I was there a few months with Seth Yanklowitz, who is now the head of casting, I think, for Paramount. Not Paramount. It's its a new, a newer studio. And he's amazing. And I turned to him and I was like, oh, I'm so glad that's not me as I'm watching all the actors walk in with their suitcases and all the stuff they need to do for the day. And he goes, that's supposed to be you. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> nope. And that was it. And you just knew. I knew in that, that moment, point. if I'm saying that out loud, certainly I'm not meant to pursue it professionally. I might love it. It, it was not going to be part of my reality. So interesting that that, that quickly after doing such an intense program. Totally. And that, after that an intense life. My life up to that point was acting, singing, and dancing. Yeah. That's all I did. So for me to all of a sudden realize that it wasn't something I wanted to pursue the business part of it, it was, and it didn't even feel like a weird decision. It just felt like, okay. And oh. it didn't feel like a, a defeat as much as it felt like uh, an a open door, like a, a door like a open relief. and you're like, oh good, I could go that way. Yeah. Huh. It was a relief. And I did one more show. A friend of mine produced a production of Merrily We Roll Along. Um, and I did that show and that was it. It's the last thing I ever did. And I sit in rooms with actors all the time and I never wish it was me. I never even have a thought like I could do that better. I don't want it to be about me. And I think casting was such a good fit for me because it was something I could be part of this process that I love so much and not have it be about me. Yeah. I could use all of the things that I learned and all of my insight and, and not have it be about me. And that was great. It took all the pressure off. It's uh, it's beautiful to hear the the self knowledge, just knowing that. And how old were you at that time? I was like twenty two, twenty three, twenty two or twenty three. Yeah. Okay, so you do that. I do that, and then you jump. It's not like you like got into an easy track. Now you jumped from one really difficult track into right. another. And I think part of me loved the idea that I was going to get a paycheck every week. And I was like, oh, if I work here in an office doing this, somebody pays me all the time. Um, and like with, as an actor, I was like, this is, I don't know, how does this work? Um, and it really stressed me out. 
the financial piece of it. Um, but yeah, that you, know, you still struggle as a casting person. Yeah. You, yeah. Well, so, now because now you're a business owner. So totally. You're, so you're in the it's, same. It's boat a whole other way. thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I worked at Liz Lewis for a while, and then I left and went out and started casting on my own, which was insane. Um, and I did a lot of short films. I worked with Jen Getzinger, who's now a big TV director, um, and I did her first short. Um, and I thought, oh, this is going to, we're going to, yeah, we're, <laughs> this is going to be it. And this was all New York. All New York. No one yeah. gave a shit. Yeah. Um, and I started working production because I had to pay my bills. And I liked production. But I was working with people where it was independent film. And like, again, maybe you're getting paid. Maybe you aren't. Right. Um, and then somebody was like, hey, like one of the people I was working for who happened to also be my boss at a restaurant I was bartending at. He was like, you know, yeah, we're going to California. Like, come with us. You know, we'll give you a job on the movie. And I was like, all right. So I went. How old were you at that point? 23. This was oh, all so like, it all happened, it happened really quick. Yeah. And I came out here and never left. Are you an East Coaster originally? Yeah, yeah. I'm from New Jersey. From Jersey. And I meant to I meant to come back to New York. Like, right. I was like, I'm going to be gone for like eight weeks. <laughs> and I was gone. Like, I never went home again. Wow. Yeah. Like, eventually my roommate in New York was like, yo, like, <laughs> come get your shit. <laughs> and I was like, right. Said, yes. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was there for five years and that's, and then I did production for a bit, paying the bills. And then I was like, I want to get back into casting. I love casting. When you say you did production, what did you like? I was like, like PA, no, or? I was like a production coordinator, UPM, like all, I was a baby and they had me like production managing these movies, um, these million dollar movies. Really? Yeah. And it was insane. And, you know, after a certain point, the insanity of that and, not knowing whether we're going to have money in the bank to pay the crew and all that. Like I was like, I, nope, yeah. but I did all of it. Like I'm sitting there signing checks at midnight for but like see, that's the crew. Some, but that's like a, that's a skill that you must have that like, they're not just going to hire you if you don't have those attributes to be able to, that, that's a lot of responsibility. It was like, a I thought lot you were going to say you were a PA and you were kind of like, no, like I was like up. in charge of shit, like sitting down with people that were, had 20 years experience, DPs and gaffers. So where's that come from in you? Is it, were you always like, were you always kind of ahead of your time growing up? I was, I don't, I don't know if ahead of my time, but I was always sort of an old soul. Yeah. I was always like, you know what? I don't, I, we're just going to keep moving forward. We don't need to be here. This won't always be like this. We'll get here and it'll be better here. And I always sort of believe that. Um, but I don't, I don't know. It's weird how much responsibility they gave me. And how young I was and how I was just like, yeah, no problem. I got it. And then at a certain point you were just like, I'm out. I don't want to do Well, this. it was like a fake it till you make it situation. And I said to all the people, like all of the department heads, I was like, look, you have more experience than me. I'm going to ask questions. I'm not going to just guess. I'm not going to fuck it up. If you need something from me, you need to tell me. Yeah. And they were like, great. You know, like I was not in a position to just be posturing like, I know, like how everyone yeah. in this business does. So many people I work for now that are producers, I'm like... <laughs> How'd you get this job? Yeah. Like, what's happening? You don't know what you're even saying. And at this time, you were single, not in a relationship, like like fully devoted to this business? I was in a relationship. It was a stupid relationship, but it was not a a relationship that was going to ultimately be. So you were able to fully give yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was working. I was working six days a week, 18 hours a day. Yeah. Um, And I loved it. 
I loved being busy like that. I loved working that hard. Um, I always worked hard. You know what I mean? Like when I was an intern casting in New York, I bartended till four in the morning and then got to work at nine. Like I didn't sleep ever. I try to tell, I'll sometimes go to speak to actors that are just getting out of an MFA program. And I start to tell them what I had to do in the beginning when I was in New York. And as even just telling them what I did, I'm like, I don't know how I did it. Because it was like bartending in class, you know, getting your own auditions through backstage. It was crazy. Crazy. It, It was like living four lives in one. And and only getting paid for the bartending part, you know. Totally. <laughs> That's so it, it was really yeah. nuts. The and bartending thing people... is the only way I made money. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. And I bartended until, like, I all of a sudden was like, I'm going to L.A. Like yeah. I, you know, I bartended for three or four years. Yeah. Um, which is I know in the grand scheme of things, not that long for some. Some people are you know still bartending. I get it. Yeah. But I was there, and I get it. And but I never slept. Never ever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I still don't really sleep. Well, so let me ask you, speaking of sleeping, not sleeping, uh, you've got a daughter we talked about, uh, nine years old. Um, You seem very involved, at least from the outside, with your daughter's life, and and yet you still have a busy career. How do you manage to—is it balance, or is it kind of like, now I'm doing this— and then there's a busy season where I'm kind of crazy around the clock and then I go back and. Um, it's both, but off, more often than not, it's like, you're going to have me for these months and then for these months or the, this 10 week period, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm going to try and be here for dinner. I try and cook dinner for my family every night. Like that's an important thing. That was something I did growing up. It's the Italian, yeah. It's the Italian. The Italian. In me. Yeah. You know, and it was like <laughs> meals were important. Yeah. You know, and I and I do feel like that's a nice way for us to connect. Um, and I try to do it every night. And I try to at least for us to sit down together, even if I'm not cooking. Um, you know, and it's hard if I'm at work till 730. Like, how am I? I can't get dinner on the table. I can order it and we can eat it together. Right. But that's about it, you know. And she's always eaten later. She's She goes to bed at 830, but she eats pretty close to her bedtime. I know. Does she kind of does she kind of uh, get what you do? So she has at least uh, somewhat. Does she have an appreciation of like, okay, mom is doing this right now, and it's uh, um, she does now. Yeah, um, and she also is someone that you know, like, and I have work events and like things I need to go to at nighttime, and you know, her dad is um, an educator, so it's different. You know, him being an administrator, his hours are much more like regular people hours. Like, like I had a premiere the other night, and she was just like. Oh, why do you have to go? And I said, baby, I'm working. Yeah. I don't want to go. I, it's my yeah. job. Yeah. I got to show up and support the producers that paid me to do this. Like, yeah. I'm working. And that's the other thing. I, I don't think um, people that are outside of this business necessarily see. I, maybe you find this as well. I feel like people will ask me that are not in the business, like, oh, the, the premiere or red carpet or that kind of thing. I find most people, you know, myself included, and most people that I know, all of those kinds of events are more of a of a drag in general than not. I mean, it, like, it, it, it's work. It's it's or it's not just like you're going out on the town. It's like totally. I mean, oh, a couple cocktails always make it less like work. Um, and for me, like, believe it or not, like I have a little bit of social anxiety at those things. Like I try and get in there and have at least a glass of wine before I speak to anybody. Cause I'm just like, (sighs) I I just don't, 
you know, talking to people all day long for my job, it's like, I, I don't even think about it. It's no big deal. And I'm certainly not a shy person, but socializing and small talk is hard. I don't love it. Yeah. I, I'd like to have a real conversation, but like, Hey, how you doing? Did you see this episode of that? Like, I don't, I really don't give a shit about it. Like, I don't want to do it, Yeah. but I do it. I have to do it. It's my job. Yeah. So I go and do it. It's fine. Yeah. Sometimes I'll find myself locking off with someone because I prefer to be in a real conversation, but it's not smart business wise. And then you have to go, you have to go, you know, why am I here? I'm here for work. So that's not really very smart. Oh yeah. I ended up talking to one of the actors that I, that I cast for like 45 minutes and I had to be like, yo, I have to make a circle of the room. I love you. I'll be back. We'll talk more later. I have got to, there's a few people I did not say hi. Yeah. He was like, I hear you go. Yeah, everybody knows that's yeah, what like he, he's why he's there too. He's gotta he's he's gotta shake hands and kiss babies. Like exactly. It's, it's part of it. So any any um career wise, like do you have anything like like uh, where you feel like it was a misstep or you missed a film or you said no to a project that ended up being something you wish you did? And how do you handle that? Well, I mean, I can't think of something that we passed on that was this huge success that we were sad we didn't do. Like there's certainly things that we didn't do that ended up being successful, but we were like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. You know, the reason things are successful has nothing to do with how good they are. Um, so yeah. sometimes it does, but not always. Which is interesting because Mad Men did so well and it was and really And it was good. really good. And like but that is right. like it's- lightning in a bottle. Like that almost never happens that you get to work on something so good, um, you know, that you love. And, all, you know, and it has an audience and, and it has it an audience, and, and, but yeah. it honestly didn't have that much of an audience. Yeah. It was just critically acclaimed. Yeah. Like when you really look at numbers. Even toward the end, it did? It did, but like not really. The numbers were still not like numbers where people are like, like we never had Walking Dead numbers. Like huh. zombies turned those people out. People love the did zombies. You, didn't you work on Walking Dead? We did Dead? Fear the Walking Dead. Fear the Walking for, Dead. For a season, yeah. But I mean, I guess, I mean, there was a, it was not an easy path. Like after I did Boston Public and I was a casting director, I was like, I'm, this is awesome. I'm a casting director now. Yeah. And then I moved back to New York thinking it would translate and it didn't. I got to New York and I was unemployed and I could not get a job in casting. I found out that it's a very like insular community that is like, yeah, we don't want you in your LA business here. We're good. Huh. How long did you stay in New York? Uh, about two years, two and a half years. And did you and largely not work when you I were I largely there? was unemployed. And I, so that's what And made I started you come to be like, out. okay, I'm going to go to culinary school. Really? Yeah, like I was like going to leave the business because I could not get a fucking job. And which is so weird for me to even have the only other business I could think to be in was food. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It was weird. It was a weird, weird time for me. Um, and I met my husband. Well, I didn't meet him, but he and I got together. And I said to him, like, I don't like what? I mean, I had paid like down payment at culinary school. Like I was going. Really? Yeah. Oh my, this is after Boston Pub. This is ap- this is after I was a casting director. This is after I was like, oh, this is all going to be great. And it, and it wasn't great. Um, And I said to my husband at the time, I said, look, look. Well, he wasn't my husband yet. He was my fiance. And I said, I think I, before I just start this whole other thing, I, I think I want to go out to LA like for one more casting season and see like what happens. And I go, if you like really ever want me to work in that business again. I, I got to go to LA. And he yeah. goes, well, do what you need to do. Go. Fine. Which was amazing. Yeah. And he's like, if you get a pilot, I'll move to LA. And I was like, oh, okay. 
I got a pilot, what but I partnered pilot? with Laura. Okay. And I told Laura I was coming back and she goes, let's partner. And I was like, okay. So we did. And we got um, the pilot, Angela's Eyes. <laughs> and we cast Abigail Spencer as Angela. And she, it was her first big thing. Um, she was wonderful. She's a great actress. I was she's in a wonderful. class with her. And yeah, she's, she's someone that like we, to this day we love and she's a friend and I, you know. Yeah. I'm very excited for the way her career has unfolded. Yeah. Um, and that was it. You know, we did that. And it was like, okay. And then that led to- It more, led to other I mean, things slowly. Yeah. Like real slowly. Yeah. Then we got another pilot called Waterfront and it went to series. Um, but we made a relationship there with Jack Orman, who we ended up doing Shades of Blue with later. So it's just, you know, it was lit one thing, you know, one job. After another job, there yeah. were certainly not multiple things happening. We were certainly struggling. My overhead was lower. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it was still like, oh, my, my husband now, I was like, you got to get a job. Like people need, we all need to be, it's time. Yeah. To, <laughs> both people have to work. Yeah. Um, and he did, of course, he got a job about four months after he got out here, which was remarkable. But, you know, little by little, and then we got Mad Men. Like it was a couple other things in between and we got Mad Men. How, how much time between uh, Angela's Eyes and Mad Men? Couple of seasons, like a couple yeah, of years? a couple of years. Yeah. Like three years. Yeah. Three or four years. We did Close to Home before that. I remember you doing Close to Home. Yep. Um, we did The Nine. I remember that. Yeah, show. these yeah. were like yeah. the early years of our partnership. Um, but it was great. Like on Close to Home, we met over Eric Overmeyer who we do Bosch with now, you know? Yeah. So it's like- Have you done Bosch from the beginning? Yeah. You did the pilot yeah. and everything? Yeah. Um, and casting Titus Wellover was like the best thing ever. Titus was uh, is a, was a dad at our, our elementary school. So I used to see him in the mornings and I know him very little. So, he but is, everybody'd be like, that's Bosch. He's the <laughs> fucking best. Yeah, he's great. He's a fu- And we talked about him from the beginning and getting him in to read was really hard. His schedule's nuts. We were honestly about to cast someone else. And he, at the last minute, was like, I can come in this time. So, okay. I was just going to ask you, what is one of the most rewarding things about your your job? And would that be it? Like having someone like Titus that you're a big fan of and then facilitating him. Not that you, like you said, not that you have, you're the only sole person responsible, but you help position him in a way that... He gets a job like this. Is that? Yeah, that is a super, that's the best part of my job. Yeah. With, without question is taking an actor that's been kicking around for a long time, working consistently, um, but isn't a household name, but deserves to be. Yeah. And like giving them a shot on a show like Bosch. It's like, and and he kills it. Yeah. He's so fucking good on that show. Yeah. And he just was the guy. And the thought, and I, and I was freaking out. Like the other guy that we were getting close with, I was like, you guys, we're not casting this guy. They're like, Carrie, you know, we're running out of time. We're out of time. And I was like, doesn't matter. Like, we got to get the right person. Yeah. I'm the person like shuts tests down. I'm the person that's like, I don't care if we have to shut down. Like, let's make it right. Yeah. And I do think that that has served me well over the years where I'm like, nope, we're canceling. I've canceled many network tests where I've been like, we don't have it. You're in a uh, work session and I'm looking at all the actors and I'm like, 
Like it's, it's so interesting to hear it like in this context with you, because I've been on the other end of being an actor going, you know, you're going in for a studio test, a network test, and you're, you know, you're signing seven years away mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And, you know, I'm sitting here now with you and kind of hearing it from your point of view and thinking about Titus in this case. And you're like, yeah, well, great thing you did that because he got the job and that was right. That was right. But when you're on the other, when you're one of those other people that, you know, the test got canceled, I guess that's what you have to say is like, yeah, it wasn't meant to be. No, like we don't have it, you yeah. know, and like I, you got to have it. Yeah. You need to have at least one person you can cast if you're bringing in a test. Like you, yeah. you can't just be like, I hope so. And I do think a lot of casting people do that. They're like, well, we're testing. Yeah. And it's like, no, like you want it to be good, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that everyone gives a shit about it being good. Mm-hmm. Certainly the producers don't. Really? Yeah, that's and sometimes a, you're on stuff where you're like, why am I the only person that cares that this is good? That's so interesting that the producers wouldn't be as, they, you think they would be more invested than you, They right? don't have this, they, we might not have the same sensibility about good. Yeah. That can happen. <laughs> yeah. What's, on the flip side, what's the, you know, kind of the the thorn in your side about what you do? Is there is there anything that's like super annoying or, or frustrating about what you do? Would it be like when you're championing someone and they don't listen to you? No, I, that, I mean, yes, of course that's frustrating, but usually they listen, you know, if I continue, if I'm continuously bringing someone up, eventually they're like, all right, what's happening here. Um, but I think the most frustrating part is so much of it's out of my control. Yeah. You know, that more and more, the more content there is and there's more producers, there's more inexperienced producers. Um, and these are people that are decision makers. And I've done way more pilots than them. Yeah. I've done way more work than them. And I can see them really going down a road where I'm like, your show is going to like, you're fucking it up. Does it make you want to be a producer? I totally want to be a producer. You do? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, and it's something I've been trying to do on the side for years now um and i get some momentum going and then i end up getting really busy with what pays the bills and i can't consistently stay with it um and i do realize now that it would be something i would have to like really quit my day job for yeah and and i i can't like i'm just not financially in a position where i can do that yeah um but yeah well maybe something comes yeah you never know it'll be the right thing yeah you know and i've got lots of different irons in the fire but like you know i also need to focus on what i'm doing like i still give a shit about what i do yeah um but it definitely makes me want to you know i always like people like you should produce and i was like not until i'm ready like not until i'm really going to be good at it yeah um yeah few questions for you i have a couple questions but before that do you know yet about your podcast, when it will come out and, and how it's it will really come out? It's really all or? dependent on me getting my shit together. Um, okay. I have started to rehearse for it. Um, the hardest part is asking people for the favor, as I mentioned to you before. And it's not, and everyone's like, don't look at it like you're asking them for a favor. Yeah. It's good for them. They want to do it. I'm like, yeah, yeah you're right. All right. Okay. So I yeah, just, it's kind of the same thing. The people that w- will do it will be the right ones for you. And exactly. it might not be, you know, somebody may pass right now and then they'll come around to you later and, and totally. you don't know. So I've just got to start asking people. I'm ready to go. Well, by the time you're listening to this, uh, whoever you are, wherever you are, um, I will probably know and I will let you know where you can find it. And it's called It's Not Personal with an asterisk. 
Um, and uh, so a couple little questions. Complete this sentence. The word no actually means what to you? The word no actually means why not? Like it means like, well, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, like a hard no is I don't take a hard no. I'm like a hard no. What are you saying? <laughs> yeah, you couldn't do what you do if, that, no, if that's, there's no no's. No. All the no's end up being people we cast. <laughs> yeah, it's a fact. Really? Yeah. Always get resistance on them. Well, it's like you you bring in your first like top five choices in the beginning, and they're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, no. I'm like, okay. And you keep working. Them. And I think the young casting director in me would have been like, no, we got to do this. And now I'm like. I just sit back and go, we'll get there. Yeah. Cool. And you trust the process. Yeah, I trust the process. And I also, I'm like, I know all these other people you want to go to are going to pass. So cool. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Wise. Because we're going to end up with this guy. You're getting who's wise. fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> okay. So uh, film title, book title, song, uh, lyric, or a quote, anything, any words that come to mind right now and why? Oh, my God. Lyrics. <laughs> uh, Bruce Springsteen comes to mind always, but I mean, it's probably the Jersey in me. Yeah. yeah any, I don't even... any particular? Uh... <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure. <laughs> um, I don't know. Probably that the line from Born to Run. The beginning of that song's pretty great. I don't want to mess it up. Well, you could just paraphrase it. No, I'm not going to. Come on. No, it's Bruce. I can't paraphrase. All right. It's got to be perfect. We're going to leave it there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what, what is it? I guess I could ask, what is it about that song? Uh, I mean, I think it's about, you know, busting out, you know? Yeah. Keep moving forward. Yeah. You know, whatever place you're in now, it doesn't have to always be this way. It'll evolve and it'll change. And you keep moving. That's awesome. Uh, if you could give advice to your younger self, at what point would you intervene and what would the advice be? I probably would have intervened when I was like, you know, in the first few years of my partnership with Laura. And I probably would have told myself to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Can you <laughs> explain in what way? I love ending the interview with that, but what? Yeah, but I think but, I would have listened more, been quieter more. Deferred to her more? Or no, just, not or her. Just, uh, <laughs> no to, offense. To others, to, to others. Yeah, to other, just uh, made it less about me trying to prove myself and more about the work. And I do think the work was still good, like really good in, in a lot of cases. But I think that, you know. When you're young, you're always anxious to make sure people really hear your ideas. And I looked really young and there was, it's a lot of, a lot of dudes trying to be like, I mean, I had producers call me little girl. I had all sorts of crazy shit happen. Oh. You know? So like, I was always like, wow, I'm not little. I'm amazing. And I'm grown up. Woman. Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't that young, but it just was, yeah. So I think I would have told myself to just calm down, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I love it. Carrie Audino, thank you so much. Thank for you. Here. This was fun. 
Okay, I am so grateful Carrie wanted to be on the show. For all of you actors listening, I hope you walk away with a new perspective. You're definitely going to have to check out It's Not Personal podcast. For now, here are my top three takeaways from our conversation today. One, Carrie's courage to let go of acting in order to pursue something that was more fulfilling. It seems like a no-brainer now, in retrospect, after winning awards and casting some of the best shows in TV, but what must that have been like? To have your family and friends and everyone in your life know that you've gone through a great acting program and then tell them, nope, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm doing this now. I hope you all realize that concept. She had to let one thing go, say no to that one thing in order to say yes to what became her destiny. A lot easier said than done. Number two, Carrie said, they don't have to be good all the time. I think actors believe they have a bad day and they're out. How many times have you heard me say that here? That every day is not going to feel like magic, just like every audition is not going to feel like magic. But it's the consistency, the ability to get up after a not so magical experience, even a disastrous experience, and keep on coming. That's what wins in the end. Number three, Carrie talked about as much as she loves her job, the frustration of not having more control over the creative choices of projects she's working on. But she's not throwing everything away to go make her own film or TV series. Instead, she's keeping her gig. She's keeping an eye out for producing jobs. And she's creating a podcast. Will it be easy? No. But just as after she graduated NYU, she's following her intuition. She knows there's something more. So she's taking on more responsibility and more workload and creating a new reality for herself. I'm guessing based on her track record, she's going to figure it out pretty well. But what about you? Are you where you want to be right now? Or is it time to make a shift? I am going to make my own shift into the end of this episode. So... Thank you all for listening yet again. I'd love for you to share 10,000 no's with your friends if you're digging it so more people can benefit from these great guests. If you feel compelled to go the extra mile and write us a review on iTunes, that definitely helps the show's visibility and we appreciate it. Again, if you're not subscribed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, go subscribe so you don't miss any episodes when they come out every Friday. If you dug today's talk with Carrie, you may like these past episodes. Prolific film producer Jennifer Todd, actor, writer, director, producer Mark Duplass, or, and I've never mentioned this one in this section before, but my episode where I was interviewed by another past guest, Roger Fishman. My story parallels Carrie's a little, so you may enjoy that. Next week, we shift gears a little, and I'm joined by one of the world's top self-defense experts, Tony Blauer. He is extremely smart and has a fascinating mind that breaks down the elements of fear and how we can learn so much about so many different aspects of our life while training to protect the most important thing our safety, and that of our loved ones. A reminder, follow me on social media for announcements and promo videos of who's next. Those handles are at Maddie Dell on Instagram, at Matthew Del Negro on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at info at 10,000nos.com if you want to be added to our mailing list. Okay, that's it. Thanks again. If you haven't watched Huge in France on Netflix yet, go check it out. Let me know what you think. We'll see you again next Friday. 